Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. We are uh, so glad to just be together. Really, we celebrate Easter every week, every Sunday, uh, the first day of the week. Christ rose from the dead, and so uh, we celebrate really every week, but uh, this is one time of year that we uh, especially celebrate, and so it's wonderful to, to be able to do that as a church family. It's a thing I think sometimes, many times, we take for granted to be able to celebrate and to enjoy one another's fellowship and company as we look into God's Word, particularly on this particular issue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I I just thank you so much for uh, music. Thank you, Lord, for how it just lifts us up to you. It elevates uh, what, what we do, just... The, even the excitement level to praise and, and honor and glorify you, give you the respect and the dignity, really, that you deserve. All the glory and all the praise goes to you. We thank you for allowing us to be able to celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray that you bless our time. But Lord, as we look into your word, may it be an encouragement to us. May this not just be uh, an Easter that goes by, we just mark it down in the calendars, 2018. But Lord, make this a special day because your word is special. These are special truths that we will learn from today. May it have its impact in our life that you would want it to have. And then Lord, may we apply these things. That it not just impact us today in some kind of emotional high, emotional level. But Lord, may it be used to sustain us through the weeks and the months to come. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we all know that consequences have ideas. Um, the things that you decide here on this earth, the things that you believe, the things that you think here on this earth affects what you do on this earth. It affects the way you live. It affects your philosophy of life. It also is going to impact, it's going to have its its impact on eternity. The decisions that you make here today or on a daily basis will impact eternity. And so ideas have consequences both now and eternity. And you see that with a man named Stephen Hawking. Now, he just passed away not too long ago. He was a brilliant scientist from England. He has overcome a lot of things in his life. He uh, had Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, he was pretty much in a wheelchair for the most of his life. They gave him a couple years to live, but he lived till he was 76, I believe, years old. And he had an impact on many, many people. Brilliant man. And he had an impact on many more people than I will ever have an impact on. He could only move his his fingers a little bit, blink his eyes a little bit, but, all, but his mind was perfectly normal. But he still had a huge impact. But he was a sinful man. His lust and his uh, desires, his eyes still consumed him with his lust. He was also an atheist, a devout atheist. And the idea that he had, he had one idea, and he wanted to pull all of the theories of science together to make sense. And he uh, had one, his first book, I guess it was his first book, it was called The Theory of Everything. And he wanted to explain the existence of the universe coming into existence without God. 
And he thought scientifically he could deduce that God is not necessary in creating the world. And people loved him. And that idea had power. Many people here in America loved him. What happened was that he espoused a a philosophy, an, an idea that answered the question that many people had in their own mind. How can we get rid of God? And that's what they really wanted to do in their heart of hearts. They wanted to get rid of God. They just needed a way to to do it. And he provided them with that rationale. And men are very good at rationalizing things. We can rationalize anything. And this is what he did. He wrote several books. And essentially he left God out of life. And that idea had a very powerful impact on a A lot of atheists, a lot of people, a lot of people that have already said in their heart that that God is uh, dead. And and now they have uh, a reason to just take God out of the picture altogether. That's a very powerful idea. Very powerful. And I'm sure that he uh, ignited the uh, enthusiasm of, of a whole generation of people. But you know what? The Christians have a single idea as well. And that is the idea of the resurrection. That there is life after death. It is the preeminent idea of Christianity. It makes all of the difference in the world. You take that out, you don't have Christianity. You take out the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you don't have Christianity. Now, it doesn't sound very scientific. It doesn't sound very sophisticated. You're putting all of your eggs in one basket that Jesus raised from the dead. But that's what we do as Christians. Resurrection of Jesus Christ is the the preeminent, the first primary principle of the Christian life. Paul said, without it, we are of all men to be pitied. We have no hope. Now, the thing is, is that the resurrection is not just a theory. It's not just a theory. It can be verified. It's a verified fact. Now, I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians. I just want to point this out to you. Actually, it's going to be on the board. We're going to be actually in 1 Peter. So if you want to turn to 1 Peter, you can do that. But let me read this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You see it on the board. Paul said this, and he is dealing with the Corinthian church. And they had raised some questions about those who were going to die without Christ. Here's what he said. Here's how he calms their nerves about these things. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing. And I'm going to deliver it to you or I have delivered it to you. What was also uh, what I also received. That is, Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. Paul says, I received this gospel from God. I received this. And just like I received it, I'm going to give it to you or I have given it to you. And it's of first importance, it's the most important thing, the gospel, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the most dominating idea in those three was the resurrection. Because the, in the, the heart, in the mind of people, we feel like that needs proof. How do we know? Well, Paul senses that as well. In verse 5, he gives some proof. Verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Simon Peter, one of the inner uh, three that was uh, closest to Jesus. Then to the twelve, all twelve of the 
uh, disciples. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. 500. And he says, Paul says, most of whom remain until now. And some have fallen asleep. You can verify this. If you want to go talk to them, there's 500 out there. They're scattered abroad, but they're out there. If you want to go and talk to them, you can verify them. Some of them are still alive. Now, that's an amazing fact. You you know, the Sanhedrin, they could not disprove the resurrection. If they could, they would have stopped Christianity right in its tracks, but they couldn't prove it. They couldn't prove it. They had to bribe the guards, we learn in Sunday school today. They could not stop it because it was a fact. So many people had seen Christ. The thing is, is there's plenty of proof. There's plenty of proof. Proof isn't uh, isn't lacking here. But this message is not about the proof of the resurrection. Because I think you can see, I think you can gather those facts. But I think what we lack to see is the power of the resurrection. And I want us to look at that today. The power of the resurrection. And once we see the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power that it has in us, that will be proof. So turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now this is a letter from Peter to the church. Churches that have been scattered abroad and through Asia, Asia Minor. The, the big church or the main church is in Jerusalem. And these little churches, they feel probably like outposts. And these little Christians, these little churches filled with Christians, they are facing some persecution. And Peter wants to encourage them. He wants to support them. Encourage them to hang on to the promises of Christ. He wants them to hold on to the hope that is in Christ. He wants them to be motivated, to be energized, if you will, to the to live holy lives. In spite of this mounting persecution that, that they see is coming. Now we can kind of relate to that. There's some areas in which, uh, even here in America, we see, you know what, it's before long, Christians could possibly be persecuted. And we see that. And Peter gives them this one key idea, this one key thought that is preeminent, that is so important, that is going to motivate them, that is going to encourage them through the persecution, through the trials, to live holy lives. And that one idea, that one fact, is that through the resurrection, their lives have been changed. Through the resurrection, their lives have been changed. And that in itself is power. But also, there's also an empowerment that goes along with that change of, of sustained energy, sustained power. And this is an idea, really, that should explode in our mind. This resurrection of Jesus Christ that has changed us. It should ignite the heart. Now, the question that we will look at and, and we want to just think about, and he answers for us in this passage, is how do we tap into that power? How, how do we see that power in our own life, this power of the resurrection? Paul wanted that so much. In fact, we'll, we'll see but, but Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know the power of the resurrection. And I think about that and I think that's a little, I don't understand that. How does that affect me today? And, and, and how do we apply that? 
Well, Peter pulls this idea out and he gives this to these churches to encourage them to go through this persecution time. And I want you to understand this. Look at verse 3. We're just going to look at one verse. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Let's just stop there for a second. He says, Blessed. This is igniting praise in Peter's heart, praise toward God. God gets all of the accolades, He gets all the credit, all the glory, all of the adoration, all of the praise goes to Him, because this is His work. He has done this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy. And it's based upon the very character of God. He is merciful God. He, we didn't deserve anything. He, we didn't deserve His grace. He took pity upon us. He is just that kind of God. He is a merciful God. It is His very nature. You say, well, He didn't save everyone. No. But he doesn't have to save everyone to demonstrate his mercy. He is a merciful God. And based upon that character of God, his mercy, he then, he then caused us to be born again. He caused us. It was his initial action. He took action. This is an action verb. We did not save ourselves. We did not cause ourselves to be Christians. He started the process. He will finish the process. This is his project. He is at work. He has caused us. And what man's greatest need is, is salvation. Man's greatest need is a, a transformed heart. And only God can do that. Man cannot save himself. Man cannot transform the heart. But God can. God can. And He causes us to be born again. Born again. Not just a makeover. Not just to, to make Carl look good on the outside. But no, He changes the heart. The very nature of the person. And how does he do that? Look at this. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God uses that means by which to change me. To change us from the inside. To give us new birth. New birth. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, well, you know, it's something that happened 2,000 years ago. How does that affect me today? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. There's two ways. There's two ways. And you need to get this. First of all, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. This, this power that we see in this resurrection, it became the, the foundation by which our lives are changed. And in that, we see power. We see this new birth because of the foundation that Jesus Christ laid. You can turn over to 1 Corinthians, back over to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians talks a lot about the resurrection. But let me read just a couple of verses here. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, that would be Adam. By a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, also in Christ all will be made alive. It was Christ. He laid that foundation. Everyone that's going to put their faith and trust in Him will be built on that foundation. Their lives will be changed upon that foundational uh, principle. So that's the first way. Our lives are changed because that foundation made it possible. Christ's work completed work on the cross 
death, burial, and resurrection completed that. And so now we can be changed. We can be born again. And remember what Christ said, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what Christianity is. Number two, there's another way that it impacts our life. And that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And even within that little message, there is power. It is accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And that is the message that is used to change our lives. Look over at verse 23. You're in First, uh, first Peter chapter 1. Look over at verse 23. For you have been born again. Now, there's our key term. You have been changed from the inside, changed by God from the inside, born again, have a new nature. How did he do that? Not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. This message that we proclaim for all flesh is like grass and all of its glory is like a flower of glass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word which was preached to you. This is the word, the very word, the very means by which God changed your life. The very means by which God caused you to be born again was this word. The death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Within that word, that within that message, there is power. There is power and that impacts us today. So we can have confidence as we go out, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and it changes, it changes people's lives. And what God has done here is he has exalted his word, his word to the level of his name and his character and his reputation. And he uses that word to transform people's lives. And both the act of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is explosive power. And it's life-changing power. And Peter wants them to understand that. Blessed be God because He has caused you to be born again. And that explosive power is, is through this message and through the foundation of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, how does that work? How is that done? Look over at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Let me just walk you through this passage. And Paul gives us a very clear understanding of this. Verse 3. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Let's just stop right there for a little bit. He's not talking about this kind of baptism. This is a baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit takes us and baptizes us in Christ. He unites us essentially with Christ to the point that we get the benefits of Christ's life. We get the benefits of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That should have been us. But we get that benefit because the Holy Spirit unites us with Christ and, and it's to our advantage. Verse 4, therefore we, we have been Buried with him through baptism and death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There's that idea of being born again. For Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we, will, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this 
that our old self is crucified with him. That's that union with Christ again in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. There's a freeing element here because our life is in Christ because of that union. Verse 7, for he who is dead, we, we died. Our life has died, has died. We are freed from sin. And what he's saying here is the fact that our union with Christ has caused us to uh, die to sin. Now, now, before we were alive to sin, we were alive in that world. We, we loved that world. We in, 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 uh, inhabited that world, but we were dead to Christ. We were dead to spiritual things. When you're born again, you become alive to spiritual things, alive to Christ, but dead to the world, dead to sin. So you get a good picture of, of being born again, and, that, and it comes through that union with Christ. Now, let's just think about this. For a little bit, we are coming into spring. We went down to Hinton the other day, and we're just noticing even down there that the buds are starting to, to come out, and it's springtime. And we'll move from deadness of winter to all of these budding plants that will come out, and it just really just explode with life. And everything in a few weeks are going to be green, and it'll be beautiful. That's one thing that you love about West Virginia. It's just it's just the seasons, and it's just beautiful. But you can see life. You can see life. We can evaluate our own life and we can see there's a transformation here. And that transformation came as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He used that same power to transform us, our life. And you can see life. Now let me ask you, can you see your life changed? I remember when our kids were born... The doctor even wrote down the specific time that they were born. Why? Because it comes screaming into the world. You know that that life is there. Life has movement. There's energy. There's an exhilaration of energy because there's new life. There's life. It's the same thing with spiritual life, folks. And we can evaluate our own life. We can look at our own life and say, that's proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because I've been changed. I'm not the Carl Dingus that I once was. I'm a new person. There's new life now. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to Christ. And you can see that and it comes out in that changed life. You could see it in your kids. I mean, they, they, all of a sudden they're, they're in utero. They're in, their, in the mother's belly. And all of a sudden they're, they're out and there's life. There's vivaciousness there. And you can hear the life. Now the question is, is how have you experienced that life? Have you experienced that life? I'm not talking about, do you believe something? Do you, do you sign a church document, a doctrinal statement of some kind, or just believe the facts about Jesus? Even the demons, John says, believe those kinds of things. Have you really believed in Him? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? Are you following Him as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Has this taken place in your life? Can you point back to a place or a time and say, you know what, I remember that time and that time changed my life. I've never been the same since. There's this moment, a time that, that the Lord used the the power of the resurrection through the message, and he, and he changes the believer's life. Say, how does that affect us today? Go back to verse 3. 
Go back to verse 3. Because this is not just an explosive power that you see. It says, caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now, that is so important. You can see the, the explosive power of new life. Somebody becoming a, a Christian. You can see that life changed all of a sudden. But it's sometimes hard for us to see this sustained energy. This sustained life. But that's what it is. It is we're born again to a living hope. A hope that doesn't die. Here he's talking about our faith. Verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith. We're protected by that faith. That faith that just will not die. We just keep on believing. No matter what persecution we go through. We just keep moving forward. It's this faith. This living hope. Living hope. This energy that allows us to overcome anything. Now don't get me wrong. It's not some kind of mystical thing. Let me just show you how this, how this works. But it's attached to this message. The message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That faith, then we believe in God. We hear the message. We believe and put our faith and trust in God. We believe that and that ignites new life within us, that it changes our life. But then it also gives us this faith that will not die. We're alive spiritually and we remain alive spiritually. And it sustains us. It sustains us through the walks of life. You say, how does this work? Look down at verse 8. Same passage. And then though you do not see him. That's our faith. Though you do not see him. You love him. And though you do not see him now. I mean, this is really an exercise of faith on a daily basis. You don't see Christ, but you, you love him. You yearn for him. As though he were right there. That's that act of faith. You do not see him now, but you believe in him. That is faith. You greatly rejoice. That belief then turns into rejoicing because it's just a reality in your life that you believe in him and you love him. And that turns into joy, rejoicing with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. That becomes the exhilaration of the Christian life, folks. And it's all based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's an exhilaration of power through uh, the new birth. But there's also a sustained power in the believer's life. Now, so often we don't see this. So often we don't tap into this. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays in verse chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. We're going to wrap it up with this uh, soon here. He says, I pray, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I, I pray that you understand so that you will know what is the hope. That's that faith of his calling, which are the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? I want you to know this. I pray that you would know this, he says. Understand this this power toward us. This sustaining power that will take us through persecution. It will take us through the, the normal courses of life. All that life would throw at us. We can handle that. Why? Because it is God's power that is working in us. Now look at this. He ties it all together. And just in this passage, verse 19 
And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? There's our faith. It's through that faith that we have this power that He's working in us to cause us to plow through life. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the Father. That is incredible. Think about that. That is the same power that God used to empower Jesus, to strengthen Jesus, to cause Him to be born again, or to cause Him to be raised from the dead. It's that same power that causes us to be born again. It's not only that, it causes us to be sustained throughout our Christian life. And it's through hope. It's through faith in Him. And it's a hope that does not die. It's a hope that does not die. And... It's a hope that transfers into a a faith that transfers into rejoicing and joy and exhilaration in life that people see. People see. It's all based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me show you a couple verses. Romans chapter 14 says this. Verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, righteousness, holy living, and peace and joy. It's the very core of what we are. We're part of the kingdom of God, and that, that entails joy. And in chapter 15, verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? Through this this power, He causes us to be born again. Through His Word, we are ignited in our hearts to, to a new life. And that new life causes us to have some exhilaration to exhibit all of the movements within this spiritual world that new life would, would just exhibit. And it causes us then to have a joy that's just there. There's a joy that just will not die. A hope and a faith that will not die. And it stems from the resurrection. Now let's apply this just quickly. How does this affect our life? Let me say this. Our obedience to God is not slavish obedience. It's not slavish obedience. I see so many times we just look at the Christian life as this some drudgery that we have to do. And it's not at all. Not at all. It is a new life. It is a spiritual life. It is an energy that God gives us. And and we are exhilarated in in serving Him. It's not a slavish slavish to to duty to, to God. There's no legalism. I want to. I want to serve Him. There's something within me that desires to serve Him. My wife, she serves our family well. And, and she could look at, at life and say, this is a drudgery. This, I, why do I have to do this three times a, a day? I have to be concerned about meals, fixing these guys' meals all the time. They just eat. They just want to eat. There's always dirty dishes. It could be a drudgery. What, is, what pushes her through? It's a love. And that love causes exhilaration for life. I love. She just does it now. She just does it without even thinking. And we just move through life. Where does the power come from? It comes from God. When we focus... And the same thing, let me just tie it back to the spiritual life. The same thing in the spiritual life. We, we don't come to church. Well, I have to come to church. We don't give just to, just to give. 
We, we don't do the, the spiritual duties just because we're, we, we do those things. No, it's a joy within our heart. There's an exhilaration to the Christian life that just looks like life. It's just spiritual life. It's just what we do. And it's because we're energized. It's, it's an explosive power at the time of new birth, but it's a sustained power by the joy of serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the, the joy that is converted by our faith. And that, folks, will take us through any, any kind of persecution that the world would throw at us. Anything that Satan would want to throw at us. It's a sustaining power. And that's amazing to me. God does not call us to do things that, that we just, that He doesn't give us the energy to complete. He doesn't call us to do things that He doesn't empower us to, to be able to do. He exhilarates us. He gives us new life. And that's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, he, he, you guys are facing persecution. He said just a, a little while, it'll be just, it'll be over. But because you have been born again, with a living hope, in a living hope, you can sustain anything. It's a hope that will not die. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope. We have a hope that will not die. We have faith within us to serve our God, to become servants of Jesus Christ, disciples of Him, not out of drudgery, not out of drudgery at all, but out of joy, out of rejoicing of what God has done in our lives. Lord, thank you for this blessed day that we celebrate our resurrection, this resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you. And we thank you for your change that you have brought about in our life through that resurrection. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.